Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. So this morning we have the joy and privilege of having the wonderful Phil Henry sharing with us this morning. Yay! Phil, do you want to come up? Uh, for those of you who don't know Phil and Kath, they're our founding pastors um, of Northridge. Been here a very long time. I won't use the word old. <laughs> um, but it's an absolute joy to have share Phil with um, Phil share with us. I think I was getting my words a bit all over the place this morning. Uh, so why don't you stretch out your hand and let's pray for Phil, but let's also pray for ourselves. Um, because we want to hear what the Lord um, has to say through each of us through Phil this morning. So, Lord Jesus, just want to thank you so much for your faithful servant. Lord, I thank you for all that you have spoken to Phil, all that you've laid on his heart. Thank you for the wisdom that you have imparted to him over the years. And Lord, as he shares what's on your heart with us this morning, and pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to hear what it is you want to say to each of us. Yes, Lord. So bless us this morning as we hear your word. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <clears throat> Hello. You can hear me okay? Hi, everybody. It's been a while since I've been up here. You sort of need to have a shade and sunglasses, I think. But anyway, it's good to be here. Um, so thank you, Bon and Rob, for the privilege of being able to come and share this morning. It's, it's a real delight. I thought before I sort of launch into what's going to happen, but not yet, um, is just a quick update from the Henrys about what we've been up to. Um, we, uh, like the world, got shut down last year, and so all the things that we wanted to do last year didn't happen. Well, well they happened differently. Um, so, but it's been good this year having had a bit of time. One of our, our heart in, um, in sort of continuing to invest in the vineyard movement across Australia has been to cheer our leaders on. Um, I don't know about you, but I think you probably perceive that leading a church and running a church through COVID has been probably one of the hardest tasks any pastors had to do. And so um, we've wanted to be cheering our leaders on. Um, and so we've sought to do that. And so last year we were trying to do it on Zoom, which worked in part. But this year we have got the we've had the opportunity to go visit some. So we've been down to to Westgate uh, Vineyard, which is just across the bridge in Melbourne, and met the, their pastors, um, and and did had a had a sort of a morning tea with them, which was great. And then we went down to Geelong Vineyard. Um, which was great, and spent the whole weekend with them and spent some time with their board, spoke on Sundays and just hung out and, again, cheered them on, which has been great. And then more recently, we had the opportunity each year, well, when in normal, normal life, um, we have a sort of a, a national prayer gathering where people from 
um, all around Australia, the vineyards, come together and we just pray. We pray, seek the Lord for what he's up to in the vineyard. We pray for the individual churches across the nation. And so it was great to be able to get up to Queensland to do that. So that's been fun. And then at the same time, we've continued to catch up with people really all over Australia, Zooming. And to some extent, Zoom has been a blessing because we can get to see people and see people face to face. So thank God for that one. So that's been fun. Um, and then I've just come back from a small town called uh, Wellmaringal, which is north of Brewarrina. Does anybody know on earth where that is? Okay, northern New South Wales. Heard of Maureen? Yeah, yeah. Burke? Up there. So northern New South Wales. We're... we're um, uh, bon Rob and a bunch of people from Northridge are going up to that little town, which is an indigenous town, with an organisation called Raw Impact. Now, you, some of you have heard of that, some of you haven't if you're new, but it's an organisation that um, was originally, or has been working in Cambodia to bless um, the, the poorest of the poor up there. With COVID happening, they were able to engage with doing some work with indigenous folk in our, in our nation. And it's a different scenario, very different from, from what they were doing in Cambo, but it's very exciting. So it was great to be able to go out there, do a bit of a recon trip with some of the team, to go out there to meet some of the lovely, there's two lovely um, lady Christian elders who are part of that little village. But what, what amazed me is that in this, well, they call it a country because there's all these different indigenous countries around Australia, so to speak, um, there's about 100 of them who actually live on country and 6,000 who don't, who have been dispersed. That's happened over the, as a consequence of the last 200 years of good old white people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so it's really interesting. So one of their heart, one of their desire, um, um, the, the, the elders in, in the town, is to help um, their own people come back and visit country and to learn some of their culture, to understand some of their history, to understand what it is to be an indigenous person living in Australia because a lot of them have been dispersed in different things. And so part of what Rora is doing is actually saying to them, not saying, white man here to rescue you, but to actually come and say, what, what's your heart for your people and can we help you achieve that in some small way? And so when... Um, the Northridge team go up, of which there's about 20, which is pretty exciting. Um, we're going to go up there and, and meet some people, hear some story, and as well as provide, do a little bit of building work to, uh, to help provide a resource that would be a blessing to them. So um, thank you. I think this week we had some prayer happening on was it Tuesday night. Thank you for that. The team um, love it. Um, and they're very, you know, welcome to receive our prayers. So please be thinking about that, and obviously you'll hear about more of that in, in the coming weeks. And so um, what was good was to also visit with Troy um, and Nick Roberts, who oversee RAW. They, have, they live in Toowoomba, um, and, which is exciting because that's where our Chris and Jen are heading um, in the next number of months. And so to, to go up there and, and cheer them on and say hi to them, um, and obviously we're excited for uh, a new vineyard plant in Toowoomba, and they are very excited. Um, a, l a little bit of a loss for us, but you know what? That's part of what we're called to, is to give away our best to see the kingdom grow. Yes? That's what it's about. We give away 
some of our best to say, go, go, build the kingdom, build the kingdom, build the kingdom. And that's how we know the king. One way we know the kingdom grows is through churches being planted. So it's exciting to see that happening. So it was great to be there. I went and had a look at their house and did a bit of engineering thought on that. So that's a little bit of what I am. Okay, to the message. <clears throat> Today, we are continuing this um, a really um, appropriate message um, or appropriate series on wisdom. And um, I'm going to be looking at that today. And I really want to just give credit to those who have spoken before me. I thought we have had some great messages over the last number of weeks on wisdom. And, um, you know, it's just good. We have a great God. We also have a very well-educated community here. And so hearing from each other on these things is wonderful. So when God said to the new King Solomon, ask for whatever you want me to give to you, he responded, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. You may remember that. So Solomon comes and the Lord says, what do you want? He could have asked for anything and he asked for wisdom. Good answer, Saul. Like, well done, bud. You know, because it's, it's, he did well. And so um, I don't know about you, but I pray and I want to pray for us that, that God would give us a discerning heart to lead well because we are all leaders in God's kingdom. We all have a contribution to make. We all are a witness. We are, all have a, a testimony to share. Um, we, we do pray that God will help us um, with a discerning heart and also to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. So today's topic is money. Interesting. But I want to begin by praying for us Solomon's response to God, what do you want? So I don't know about you. Can you put your hands out? Because I'm all up for discernment. Is that right? Know what's right and wrong? Absolutely. So Father, um, Holy Spirit, Jesus, we welcome your wisdom today. Lord, uh, James says, just ask. Lord, we ask for wisdom. We ask for a discerning heart. So Lord, knowing how to lead, how to, to share our story, to encourage people and others around us along the way. And Lord, we also ask for discernment to know what is right and what is wrong. And so Holy Spirit, come and give us wisdom in regards to, the, to money and how we, should, uh, how we should receive that and share it. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty. Um, boom. We're off. Is there a problem? Okay, good. Worth having a chat about. Well, a few stats. These are sort of interesting. Australian government debt at the moment is $1.48 trillion. Um, household debt, $3.16 trillion. That includes housing debt. Now, those numbers just seemed bizarre, big, have no idea what, actually what, how they relate to my life, but they seem ridiculously huge, and I don't know, you know, we're praying for our government to, to, uh, to work on resolving that. Um, but I want to ask us a personal question, 
And that is, who has been worried over finances in the last two years? Five of you. Well done. Well, I might as well sit down. Or are you just not being honest? You know what? I I think um, if I was to say... um, have you, have we been asking questions like, do we have enough? How do I pay a mortgage? How do I pay the credit card? How do I meet those unexpected expenses when they just land? You know, when the dishwasher breaks and the dryer breaks and the fridge break all in that one week and you go, God, what is going on? Has anyone had those situations where it just all happens in the one week and it's like, great, yeah, yep, it happens. Um, how do we pay school fees? All that sort of stuff. There's you know, we live in a society right now where, where money is, is a big thing. And um, it's a question whether we have a lot or a little we can worry about money. So what's the Lord's wisdom on managing our finances? And even more important, how do I not worry or fear over money? It's interesting as you turn to scripture, God's wisdom is surprising. It's surprising to see just how much Jesus talks about money in 30 AD. Um, you know, we live in a, in a consumer-based society where everything seems to be about money. And yet when you look at scripture, especially through the New Testament and into you know, the, both the Gospels as well as the letters... There's a lot spoken about money. And so it must have been for them as much of an issue or a concern than it is even in our obsessed culture with money. So um, Jesus does well um, in speaking about money and there's actually lots to say about it. But this morning I'd like to frame... um, my thoughts around creating a financial margin in our lives. And it's like, and I've sort of got a picture up here, it's like um, I want us to think about building a fence way back from the edge of a cliff. Because sometimes, for some people, issues with money feels like you're walking along a cliff edge, wondering all we've got to do is have one more unexpected expense, and it's like, So, now, one thing I want to say at the start, I'm not here to give you financial advice. I am an engineer, <laughs> which is a good thing. I'm, really, I'm good at maths, and so I get it. Um, but I want to try and, um, for this morning, is for us to consider what God says um, about about money and how that can affect creating this margin. And what I mean by a margin, um, there's a lot of things that we can often live on the edge of and creating margin just creates room. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you remember remember when you were writing in school and you had to draw a margin? You just didn't take it to the edge. Now, maybe for some of you, you love living on the edge. But for others of us, we're like, no, I prefer not to be compelled or forced to live on the edge. 
And so I want to create margin. Now, the reason for margin is, is also that I believe what God wants us to have is to have a life free of worry. Amen? He doesn't want us to be anxious. It says in Scripture, do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and, and thanksgiving, submit your request to the Lord, and the Lord who is, etc., etc. I've forgotten the rest of it. But, but, it's, but God says, don't be anxious. And so I know for some of us, and for me include there's times I have felt anxious about money. And so why and how can we work on that? So I want to talk about this whole idea. So I want to look through just a couple of things that I believe may help create some margin. So the first thing is, is that we would head towards God's heart. We begin by recognising the direction of our journey regarding money. Now you may think money and the first thing you've thought about is, oh, flip, that's right, I haven't paid those bills. You know, it's, it's like what... As we approach money, what direction are we going? Are we, do we, if we did a self-assessment on our attitude towards money, is it light, relaxed, peaceful, or is it anxious? And also, is it heading towards God? And what I'm saying there, what I mean there, is that what does it mean for God to be Lord of our lives? It's one thing for God to be God, but we've also called him Lord. And Lord, there's a sense of responsibility that we're giving him over our lives. When we give our lives to Jesus, we're saying, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be defining of my attitudes and thoughts and ideas and decisions and all the stuff that makes up my life. I want to give it to you. So therefore, you can, I can live through you. You live through me. We do this thing together. And so one of the first passages we've got there is Matthew uh, Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. So Jesus is saying, start with God. Before we even start talking about anything money, we've got to go, Lord, I want you to be Lord. I want to be heading in your direction. I want to be doing the things that matter to you and I want to have your focus on my life, not my society's focus on my life, which is all around me. And so how do we choose that? And then in 1 Timothy 6, it says this, Command those who are rich in this present world uh, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Wow, what a phenomenal verse. You know, how much do, we, do some people think that we have a God who's stingy and just wants to steal from us? Or to make us subservient to his demands? Do you know what I mean? But we have a God, it says there, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. My goodness, there goes my message. <laughs> so, let me finish that. Command, those, uh, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Sound, like it's just, this is so full of life, isn't it? It's great. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age um, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Oh, my goodness. You know what? It's not just about what happens when we die. It's now. This is talking about now. This is not just talking about the joy of heaven when all the stuff's sorted. But even now, this is what God is calling us to. So um, um, 
one of the things I realise is that, is that one of the challenges that I think we all have to get to in our life journey is to realise that everything we have is a gift from God. And that means everything. It means our job, our friendships, where we live, the time in which we live, the financial resources, the physical resources, the even skills that are within me, within you, are all a gift from the Lord. Everything is everything. It's not just the little bits, it's not the godly bits, it's everything we have is a gift, this generous gift from our Lord. And so starting with God, heading in his direction, I believe, requires us to get that sorted with the Lord. Lord, it's all yours. It's all from you. How amazing is that? Because with, with that understanding, that's how we can then walk into understanding a good attitude with money. Because it then means we hold everything we have with open hands. Not clenching and saying, this is mine, but Lord, this is all a gift from you. What a joy. What, what a wonderful God that you are. And for me, one of those verses that, that I think God always chants me with is, is where it says, to those who have been given much, much will be expected. And I just feel like that's just God saying, give it away. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Whatever you've got, whatever resource you have, share it. Get alongside other people and that will bring us life. Anyway, so we start with an incredible thankful heart to God for all that he has provided. So one, that's where we begin. Amen? We could almost go home now, couldn't we? Because really, that's it. If we get that, then everything else can find its place. Okay, but let's go to number two. Address the power of money. Um, Matthew 6.24, this is Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So here's Jesus being, like, into his culture, into that culture. There was still this thing that the, the money was so powerful that it competes head-to-head -head with God himself for lordship over our lives. That's a big statement. That is a huge statement for us to actually think, wait a minute, who's, who's in competition for being my God? And Jesus says, it's easy. It's either God or money. So strong, so powerful is the influence of money in our world that it takes that sort of place and it has that sort of power if we choose to give it that power. And so, how do we break the power, that power that money has? And in other verses, it talks about the love of money. Now, money, money itself, is, it's, it's not the cash. It's our attitude towards it. It's this sense of the love of money, this pursuit, this desperate desire, I must have money, and which is interesting. So I'm saying, you know, I'm talking to you guys who have God influencing your lives in so many ways, but sometimes we go, you know, I don't know about you, but if we were really honest, we would probably go, there's times that I have felt I must, I, I want to get money. Because we look at our world and we go, it's all about money. If you don't have money, where are we? And so that you can, you can go, I have felt that temptation. 
to walk that way anyway. How do we break its power? Actually, surprisingly simple. Give money away. Because money, this power that money has, is this desire, I must have money. I must have money. It's this grabbing hold of it. Does that make sense? We grab hold of it. I need it. I grab you know, this, 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 this. One of the passages in, in, um, in Proverbs talks about those who love money are never satisfied. They never have enough. doesn't matter how much you've got. They never have enough. And you hear it in the media about some of these people who are wealthy and the things that will continue to do get more and more and more and more, even though you think, my goodness, what are you doing with it all? Do you know? Um, so when we give money away, we can neutralise the hold that money can have over us. So it should not surprise us that God, very early on in his engagement with humanity, called the people to tithe, to give 10%. So he put as part of their journey, part of their um, growing up as a people under God, he said, I want you to give it away. I want you to realise that I'm giving it to you so that you can give it away and be a blessing. And, you know, what? Um, how many of you have actually, money has actually just miraculously appeared in your life? Come from no idea, just arrived. That's because somebody just chose to give it away. And you were the, you were the recipients. God miraculously just moved them to bless you. And so God will do that. So God challenges um, that, that it's interesting. Um, Jesus has this time when he did a lot of his teaching in the temple. And he, remember how at one point he draws his followers over and he just stands and he's watching because there's this place where people would give their, their tithe, you know, in the temple. And he calls his followers over and says, let's just watch. And as they're watching, they're seeing, you know, people walk up and bring up their bag of gold and Plonk it in, and they fall. And then, and then there was this poor lady who sort of comes up quite humbly and puts in a copper coin. Now, back then, copper was worth very little, and so the value of what she gave, bottom line, was almost insignificant. And Jesus says, "Look at her. These ones give out of their excess, but this lady gave everything she had." Isn't it interesting how Jesus, even to his followers, points out, I want you to get this. In a way, it's not about the bottom line. It's about what's in your heart. And so he celebrated. He praised this widow for giving everything. Giving is good for us. When we don't give, we're doing this. But when we give, we're being able to be a blessing. So, number three, live within your means. Philippians 4.12 says this, I know what it is to be in need. So this is Paul having a chat. Um, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. This strategy is not only to make do with what you have, but also to accept what you have. So it's not about just making do, 
But it's also just choosing to, thank you, Lord, I accept what I've been given, what the resources that I have. Um, living within your means is possible, but it's not always popular. That little bit of plastic that lives within our wallets, which has become more prevalent recently, amazing how quickly we moved from, to a caster society, is a challenge. So living within our means does actually mean that we need to set boundaries. Now, sometimes we're reluctant to do that. We're free to do whatever we want. Yes, you are, but sometimes boundaries, having a budget is helpful and even living more simply. Having a margin means that when the unexpected expenses arrived, there is room to buy what is necessary and not become anxious. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is go, how, how do we live so there's room? And realising that actually that's the way that God wants us to do and to live that way. Well, a bit more practical here. Number four is decreased spending. Let's just be really practical. Let's see what the word says about that. Um, Luke 8, 14. This is the parable of the sower. Um, you remember, so Jesus tells him a parable. So, so it goes out and sows seeds, some on good soil, some thorns, some rocky ground, all that sort of stuff. And in verse 14, it says this, the seeds that fell among the thorns, this is Jesus explaining to the guys who are a little bit slow um, what the parable actually is talking about. And he says here, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. There is something about pursuing riches and the pleasures of this life that can actually stop us growing up in Jesus. And so thinking about what we spend our money on needs to be considered. We find, to find margin, you actually have to look at the ins and outs of your finances. You actually have to look at that. Decreasing the outgoings is a practical way of building margin in your budget. However, the context of our culture challenges such restraints. It's hard. Everywhere you look, it's buy this, get this, fund this, we will get you to have it, and you don't even have to pay for it right away. How dangerous is that? How many people have fallen into that where they go, oh, that's wonderful, I can go do that, and I don't even have to pay for it today. And then tomorrow, it bites, and it's like, ah! Why did I do that? So it is being able to go, and it, so it is actually thinking about that. It's thinking about, Lord, how do I spend money? How do I, what is, and it, and I, you know, when I look at this, there's so much more you can talk about. This whole idea of needs versus wants. Sometimes we think God provides money for the needs, and the wants is what I work for. Because we know God provides for our needs, correct? That's a very godly statement. So therefore, what about my wants? Well, I actually believe God provides for our wants as well, but part of it is being able to go, is to acknowledge that and to go, okay, I can have that. Actually, we, you know, what's a need? What's a want? Let's, so that's a discussion that you could have in, within your family or just within yourself to go, what do I think I need and what is just a want? So it's considering that. So... Um, Jesus identifies that being caught in pursuing riches and a pleasurable life threatens our growth and fruitfulness 
as followers. So be encouraged to take simple steps to decrease spending. So it is just having a look at that. And ultimately, the last one is increase income. We can do that. And it said, Proverbs, Proverbs 23, 4 says this, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Interesting how, what Proverbs says. And at the same time, Proverbs says in, ver, in chapter 10, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands brings wealth. I grew up um, in a family where um, I saw my dad work really hard. And he did all sorts of things and worked hard and provided for our family. And I'm very grateful for that. And so for me, I grew up going, if I want something, want, not need, if I want something, I just had to work hard. So I got a job in my younger years. I worked at a local timber yard and I got $20 for a morning, four hours of work on a Saturday morning. Pretty good, huh? What would that buy today? <laughs> uh, the oily rag. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so I wanted to get a surfboard, and so I just worked and got my money, and I earned it, and I went and bought my surfboard. And to some extent, that attitude has followed me through my life. But it's really interesting here, isn't it? We've got Proverbs saying two really good things. Number one, don't be lazy, because... That's, you know, hard work is good. So diligence is a good thing. I think it is good and appropriate for us to work hard, to have a job, um, to do those sorts of things. But the other thing is, is to be aware of is when am I working too hard? Like, isn't it interesting? You know, you hear stories of people who, oh, yeah, I'm going to take an extra shift and do this so I can buy a speedboat. Now, is that actually creating margin or is that just... I don't know. There's some thought that you have to have around those sorts of things. Because the, the challenge of, of work, like we want margin financially, but we also want margin with our time. You know, as, as a member in a household, um, um, I saw my dad work really hard, but it came at a cost. Like, like, yes, he came and watched my footy and all that sort of stuff, and we did holidays together, but it can come at a cost where you just don't see somebody because they're just working too hard. And so it's being able to go, Lord, I want wisdom on that. I, want, I don't want to be lazy. I want to be diligent, but I don't want to be stupid, if that's the right word, inappropriate of working my kabushi off just because I need more money. So there's some thought there. So consider ways to increase your income. It's really interesting because I believe it's right to make sure you're being paid the correct wage for what you're doing. Challenge that. I don't believe businesses necessarily um, will give you what you need unless sometimes you have to challenge that. Um, so I encourage you to make sure that you're being paid correctly for what you're doing. Um, and those sorts of things. So consider different ways to increase your income. Shall we finish up? That would be really good. I looked at a few things, so hopefully they're helpful. I think this whole idea of creating margin is a really good attitude to have. How do we create margin to live? So um, certainly we can be grateful that God is exceedingly generous towards us. And, and to be honest, we are rich in so many ways. 
we are. When, when we, that's why even doing the trips that we have done on mission to Cambo, you know, what we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks when we're visiting with people who just don't have what we have, and it's being able to go, Lord, do not let me think that I am poor. I am rich in so many ways. Help me to be generous with all that I have. And I pray that we would continue to have a generous heart, that we would be as a church and individuals, people who are eager to give and to share with others. I also pray that we would invest in things that have eternal consequence, um, that, that change people's lives for eternity. So I want to pray now, um, and it's good that we're actually able to pray for each other, and I feel like I'd like to... Um, I'd like us to be able to pray for people who have struggles with finance, who have some anxiety over just an immediate thing that may be happening. You may want prayer that you, would, you have a desire to create a financial margin in your life. Also, you may have a desire to be more generous with your resources. So hopefully I've covered everybody in the room. <laughs> Is that all right? So let's stand. So let's just invite God and to see what he's doing. Um, I think... Yeah, let's just invite the Lord. Father, we bless you for your goodness towards us. How generous are you? How rich are we? Lord, we know the enemy is all about trying to distract us from you. Draw us away. Keep us busy so we haven't got time for family or for our relationship with you. Try to force us to do things that, that aren't, in a way, glorifying you. To make us fearful and anxious. And so, Lord, we just acknowledge, Lord, you, your Holy Spirit, Lord, you want to bring us peace and freedom from anxiety in our lives with all that we have. But we bless you for your goodness, Lord. And in a way, as we hold out our hands, we just want to acknowledge, Lord, it's all yours. All that you've given us, we say thank you for. Every bit, every cent, every gift, in any way that we have received, we want to say thank you. You are such a good God towards us. Thank you, Lord, that your heart for us is to enjoy this life. To live freely and generously and maturely in this life. Lord, that others would be blessed miraculously by our secret generosity towards them. That we as a church will continue to give in and to bless things that have eternal consequences all over the world. And Lord, as we just come before you now and look at our attitudes towards finance, Lord, we want to bring them to you. Lord, for all of us, me included, Lord, I want to have a financial margin in my life that 
just gives me space to not be anxious. Lord, and I also want to continue to be generous as often and as boldly and radically as I can. So I don't know about you, maybe you can just pray for the people right next to you. And pray God's blessing into their lives over money. Now, if you specifically want some people to pray for you on an issue, then feel free to come forward. But I want us to pray for each other because this is something we do together as family.